Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover personal journeys behind their work, explore options from indie to traditional publishing, and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. I'm your host, Katherine Taylor. Let's Get Writing is all about the writing process from creation to publication. And here is where we share stories behind the stories and bring life to books. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel at Katherine Taylor TV and we'll keep you informed of all our new episodes. Now, my guest this week is the author of 15 books. He is Newfoundland and Labrador's favorite storyteller, and he, he is known as the story man all over the province. He lives in Hare Bay, Bonavista North. And I last saw him on my Christmas show. And at that time, we had wanted to continue the discussion because he had a new book coming out. And that book is here now. It's called Red Jack. And my guest is Gary Collins, and we'll welcome him to the show. Here we go. You, yep. you can hear me now. I can hear you now. Okay. <laughs> Somehow you're in my spot, and I'm in your spot, which is crazy. And I'm just going to bring your book up, because that may straighten out where we all are, and show everyone the title of your book, Red Jack, which is just hot off the press. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, you just had a book launch for it, I think, in uh, in St. John's or, or in... No, a... we had the, the book launch was here in our town at Hare Bay Adventures. Okay, there you go. It and for people, well. It went very well? Yes. Yeah, and for people who, who don't know where Hare Bay is, and at one point that would have been me, <laughs> why don't you tell people where you actually are located? Well, Hare Bay, if you leave the Trans-Canada Highway at Gambon, you just drive about 24, 25 kilometers south, you're in the town of Hare Bay. There you it's go. on the north side of Onomasta Bay. Yeah, and I'll be out around that area this summer, and maybe we'll do well, some. Well, I hope so. You could drop by, and I've got a little place here by the ocean you would love to visit. It sounds very nice. Um, your latest book, and I have a, a copy of it here, Red Jack. There we go. Yep. And... Um, on the cover, I noted that uh, Miramichi Reader describes you as one of Canada's master storytellers. And I think a lot of people agree. How do you feel about it when people call you by that title? Uh, it's a bit uh, surreal, actually, to be uh, have that accolade. I'll take it. And uh, I guess what it is... Uh, you know, you often say sometimes you got to tell it like it is, but that's not always the case, as you know. Sometimes you, you should not tell it as it is. But I put 100% into everything that I do. And I'm asked all the time, what do you attribute, attribute your writing success to? And uh, where do you get your inspiration? And I always think about the man who came to my mother's kitchen on a winter's night and we had only lamps and they would smoke their pipes and they'd never knock the snow over their boots and they tell stories of bears and ships with bear poles and there was so much detail and 
I ascribe to be like that on the page. And I like to tell it as without boring as much detail as I can. And sometimes it works. Oh, I think it's worked 15 times. <laughs> and yeah, let's see, 14. This one is out for, for a week. So, yeah, so <laughs> I, the, preliminary, uh, the preliminary sales are going very well already. I'm sure they are. You have a lot of people who wait for your books and, and look for your books. And you really do have a wonderful touch with telling a story. And I feel that, you know, your stories are always, and am I correct in saying this, are always based around Newfoundland? Uh, most of them are. Uh, most of them are. Uh, Regal's Life Fallen, of course, was international about the uh, RO air crash in Gander, the 101st Airborne Division, where the 256 people died. That started on, in the Sinai Peninsula and went through Germany, and, and the plane landed in Gander, and, the, and they all died. So that was international uh, connotations in that. But usually, yeah, it's around, it's around uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. Nova Scotia in those areas. Well, honestly, when I was reading Red Jack, I and I have read some other of your books as well, I always feel like I'm in the middle of some sort of history lesson told in a very wonderful way. But I'm always learning something, whether it's the language. You'll have words in there that I just go, actually, I had to test it out of my husband because <laughs> he comes from Port of Basque and he knows words that I don't know. And I said, have you heard, I can't think of the word now. Have you ever heard of this? It had something to do with tea without sugar. Uh, Switzo. Yeah. <laughs> Switzo tea, when I was growing up, my mother, my mother never drank uh, sugar in her life in tea. It was always coffee, black, uh, sorry, molasses in her tea and her coffee, black strap molasses instead of sugar. So if my father wanted a cup of tea, rarity, which he did without sugar. But if it was without sugar, it was called sweet or tea. That was a word I have. I don't know where the name came from, but there it is. Well, there are a lot of words like that peppered throughout your books. Words. Well, you're, you're saying, and I thank you for saying that you like this history lesson. That's a, that's a really good compliment. Uh, if I'm telling the story, it's fact-based fiction. It's historical content, whatever it is. If I create the character, I do not create the way he talks or the way he or she dresses, or the food they eat. And the area that is described is a real area. Don't contrive areas. If it says a harbor rock, like in the case of Red Jack, there isn't a harbor rock. Malone's Rock, which is, as you, if you can remember, was mm -hmm. a pivotal point in this story. Malone's Rock is feared by everyone who sails from um, from uh, Cape Bonavista to Cape Creoles. It's right in the middle of Bonavista Bay. Very dangerous reef. I've been there many times. And the beaches where a lot of the scenes take place. The Briothic, the Briothic Indians used to be there. The maritime archaic Indians. And Rose and I slept in tents there years and years ago before there was any any excavation done or before there was any relics found. So I know it very well. And I try to portray that to you, the reader. Well, this is what I find when I'm reading your books. I'm drawn into the fact that I feel like I'm there and having spent some time on the water and being familiar with once you kind of go outside of the, the bay and I'm you're on the land. Yes. Yeah. And you're looking back 
I've been there where it's a, a wall of rock and you wonder where you came out or we have GPS, obviously, but but it, back then they didn't have it. You'd be looking at a wall of rock and just trying to figure out where do I go in? And in one part of the book, it was like you, you can get in there and there have been people lost that if they go the wrong way, which gives you that feeling of being somewhere almost eerie, but just so big and so rugged and, and you're so small, like your character, um, Jack, when he's on the boat in the ocean with the water, <laughs> you get the, you know, it, it really does draw you in and you feel like you're, you're there. And I think this is what I'm referring to when I say, when I read your books, I feel like I'm learning something about the island and the history every time. Yes. So if you're away from the, from the land, uh, at, at sea and you look in, there is no break in the land. The land looks all as one. Of course, as you near, the channel opens up and sometimes it doesn't. You had to go around another point before you find a way in. And as you said, there are places here in Manosa North where you can go in. Obviously, you will eventually find your way out. But there's places where you can sail for as many as 10 miles and never come back because there is no way out. And there's tickles that you cannot pass. You can, it's not navigable. They're too shallow and so on. So all these things you have to know. GPS is fine. Reject mm. didn't have that privilege. Absolutely, absolutely not. And I was picturing even your details of the boat and, and aspects of the boat and, you know, what we go out in now, pretty comfortable. <laughs> and then he's in this. I have one like that too. He's in a skip <laughs> with different pieces and the way you're describing it. It just... It takes you there and it makes you realize what these characters were up against and what they did at that time in Newfoundland. Um, so these, I know they're fictional, but is there any inspiration from reality in here or people you, you talk to? Where do you get your ideas? Uh, well, I'm 72 years old, so I grew up at a time when we didn't have, just starting to have outboard motors. As a matter of fact, I had the first one in this town. And, uh, you know, I'm quite used to rowing and I'm quite used to being on a beach without a tent or a tarp or turn the boat on the side and crawling. So I'm, I'm familiar with all of, all of these things. And Ridjack, just to segue just a little bit, everyone asks, what does that mean, Ridjack? Well, as you know now, you've read the story. His name was Jack. And because he had red hair, he was called Ridjack. But more than that, he was hated because he was a fish color. And that's a word that's not used very much today. Even some of the modern fishermen wouldn't know what a fish color is. But if a person swore, on, swore an oath on the Bible in front of a governor official, that he would be fair with his prices. And then he was hired on by the merchant. And the merchant would take him on their schooners and go to the islands. And this is the man who would determine fish by fish the price of that fish. And if, if the price was good, you got it. There was never a fish so bad that fish merchants didn't get some money for. If it was really bad, they would say there's West Indies, which is, I'm sorry to say, but it was for slaves. So the bad fish, so the merchants said, went, went down to the West Indies for to feed plantations and so on. So as you can imagine, the fish color was hired by the merchant. He wasn't very well liked by the fisherman. And Ridjack, and I know of a fish color back in the 50s, and I've heard stories, mm -hmm. didn't have red hair. 
but Red Jack was a hated fish color. And he was the, he was the antagonist in my first book of this series. That's the first time I've ever written a series, a trilogy. And he was the antagonist in the Kraken. And he was the antagonist in the second book, The Place. And he was, played such a pivotal role in the story. And he was so resounding to me. I thought that it was time that he went on the cover with his own name. Because, and as, as you know, when you read the story, things are turned around by a very small animal. Mm -hmm. Turn things around. And Red Jack, still Red Jack, but there's a reason for everything. Mm. Yeah, and also the fish color color also sometimes was paid under the table by the merchant not to always necessarily make the best calls. When you think back at those times when the fishermen actually had accounts, I mean, money wasn't always exchanging hands. They were either in debt to a merchant um, or, or, you know, to get the things they needed to survive. It was a very, very difficult way to live. It was a, a terrible way to live. And, and bear in mind, those fish colors didn't go out of existence until sometime in the 60s, 1960s. And way back in the day, like 30s and 40s, and even up into the 50s, a cantle of fish was a unit of weight, uh, 112 pounds. A cantle is 100 pounds. But the fishermen always had to contribute 112 to allow for shrinkies and drying it. So that was another ripoff. So if you slip, if you slip them, the fish color, if you slip them, a bottle of rum or 20 bucks. Well, you can imagine the, the outcome. It was, hmm. it was done the same as today. There were ripoffs with everything. And this, you know, it was, and the truck system was, was rampant. And uh, I had relatives, and especially on my wife's side, they came from the offshore islands and they were all fishermen. And uh, my mother in law would tell me they never got any money. There was no such thing as money. When the fish got in, you got a you got a sack of flour, a barrel of flour, and you get sugar, and you got molasses and butter. There were no dollars, and the merchant would arrange it. And there weren't, you know, all the merchants weren't bad. That's naive to think that, but you know, you know, a lot of them were. So at the end of the season, right, or as they call it, at the end of the voyage, the voyage of fish, it was called. At the end of the season, you had 50, 60, 100 counts of fish, whatever it was you had, but. Now you had to pay for the flour and all the stuff that you had before. Plus, there's a winter coming and you need more flour and you need more nets and you need sugar and you need a dress for your daughter who's going to turn six months old or whatever. So we'll write that down for next year. So you left the merchant's premises, still a red line. And on and on it went. So that's why uh, uh, in a lot of cases, a lot of the fishermen around those islands, and all of, not just around here, all over Newfoundland, that's happened. They would augment their earnings with trapping, as in the case with Red, Red Jack, and and loggers. My family are all loggers and trappers, so they would augment their earnings if they were fishing by logging in the winter time and trapping. They had to. But the story is more about that too. It's it's, it's more about the culture. You know, as you know, there's a bit of Newfoundland regiment in Suvla Bay, and all these incidents are true, and the ship that they sail on and all that. And, there's more people died in the, the failed battle of Suvla Bay. And it's very apropos now, isn't it? The Black Sea, now as we know, Ukraine is what it's all about. The Black Sea is Russia's ice-free port. 
That's what they fought over in 1914 to 18, a failed battle. So all of that, I tried to bring it in. I tried to bring it in because, as you know, many of the Newfoundland residents came from the offshore islands, and this was no exception. So I knew this, and I have documents for all of this stuff. But I tried to portray it in such a way to make it interesting. I, I, I'm no good at documentation, but God love the men who write the books, documents, because that's where I go for my info. Without right. them, I'd be nothing. And that's what I thought. You, you you must dig. You must go and look for for things, and then you take it and you put it into the stories with your characters. And another, I'm going to say another unwelcome character that appeared in this book was the Spanish flu. Yeah. And that really hit home at this particular time as we are coming out of COVID. And I thought, okay, was that part of what you wanted to do? Touch those feelings in us? Um, or it just happened. It just happened. During my, the course of the research, I had known, I, of course, uh, you know, COVID was here. And uh, I had, uh, as you know, Jake, one of the characters who was prevalent in Suvla Bay, goes to Trinity to fulfill a promise. And he goes across Trinity Bay. So I was doing some research, and I knew the Spanish flu, but I didn't know that it was called a coronavirus. Spanish flu was a coronavirus. So now that piqued my interest. And I found out that in Trinity, in Trinity Bay, many people died of Spanish flu. And a matter of fact, one of the first nurses to die of Spanish flu was a Newfoundland woman. She's, she's a, a memorial to her on Cavity Square in St. John's. So I had to bring that in. So yeah, as you know, as you read the book, I want to say readers said I wouldn't want to spoil the thing for no. them. But when they encountered the Spanish flu in Trinity, in Trinity Bay, and they had no idea. And then they rolled back home, of course, to, their, to this little island. You can imagine what could happen. Well, you can, and we all know history and even how that affected the the Beothics when the white men arrived with their different diseases and they had no ability to fight these things off. Yes, and uh, yeah, and that's, that's a good segue there because part of the story's got to do with the biotics and the burial ground and Red Jack finds, finds what he found and, and Red Ochre and all of that. And so I tried to make it as easy, you know, without the antagonist, there's no story, is there? That's right. You've got to have an antagonist. It just happened to be Red Jack and uh, It'd be to be a little bit of philosophical about it. there's reasons for everybody's what they do and why you do things. So I hope this book this is the last one. I said to Cracky would be the only one, and then the place came, people were demanding, not demanding, but suggesting. And I left that open. So now this one, this book, there won't be no, no other in that series. That's you know, unless it's, unless it becomes a New York Times bestseller, then I'll see you best. <laughs> Could be the, the story of uh, the young, the son. <laughs> Templar. Templar. Yeah, it was a weird, it's a weird name, but, uh, you know, you know, well, you know, what Templars were the, the hospitalers from, for, to, for the Crusades, defenders of the faith and all that. And because Jake, his father, was in Suvla Bay and he met the Catholic, he was a staunch Catholic person. And, and uh, the Catholic all he wanted, all he wanted, only really joined the war to go over there because he wanted to be in the lands of the Christ. And he was big on Templars and the Crusades. So, uh, and he said when he died, he would, if he had a son, he would call him Templar. And he died and Jake called his son Templar. So that's why that name is. Yeah. 
There's so much in your books. I mean, you bring you bring in all these things, things, but you do it through the characters, through the story. It's not a history book, but there are so many elements of things that have touched all our lives. Uh, those yep. who come from this island, um, but you also get a bit of romance in there and <laughs> some fairly romantic locations. Uh, so I thought, okay, there's there's a bit of a romantic in you. Am I correct in saying that? I uh, I love guitars and lamplight, <laughs> and with my wife and sitting down with a glass of wine. That's and I love writing romantic geography. You know, like moonlights in the night and all that kind of stuff. And but yeah, there's I I'm a very romantic. I don't mean the uh, soap story stuff, but I'm a very romantic person in the sense that I live for the moment that I'm in, mm -hmm. and I, re, I can be very emotional with uh, a sunrise or a sunset, and I appreciate it. I like good music. I can't. We're talking. About let's get writing. And uh, strange. I'm a weird guy anyway. Uh, it's very rare for me to write without music in the background. I have a bow system. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's Andre Michelli or Buddy Wassam and the other fellows are good friends of mine. There's got to be something playing in the background. But the weirdest thing is, though, if you talk to me, I can't write. Like if someone talked to me in the background, I, I, I can't do that. But I prefer music. And I don't listen to it. It's just there. Mm -hmm. Not instrumentals. They can be singing. So... The romance is in that. There's always like if you got a bad break and uh, I pick on music and especially here I have a, I have a my house overlooks the ocean and the ocean's right beneath me and we just built a place we call it the landing right on the ocean and I go down with my guitar and there's no there's no power just lamplight my wife and I we sit and we reminisce and we sing songs and so I'm romantic. Yeah. I was going to ask Rose, if you didn't give me the answer, I know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rose is always there to help you and support you. Rose has been my mainstay. And uh, uh, to the, the book signed the other night, and it was, it was sold like, it was a sold, sold like uh, COVID thing. I was 50 people when I was. So anyway, uh, people always asking, what are you going to write next? You know, standard stuff. And I said, I think my next book will be It's Okay, But. Rose is my first editor. And she'll take 1,000, 10,000 words. Well, rare, I let it go that far. And she'll read it and she'll say, It's Okay, But. Do you think? Do you, you know? So uh, if it wasn't a Rose, I wouldn't be writing at all, I wouldn't say. But she, uh, she's been my inspiration. We've been together for, well, we have a daughter 55 years old. Yeah, it's been a while. Seven years old, actually. Yeah. And uh, and I, uh, in terms of writing, I uh, I got a couple of manuscripts on the go now. Two. Let's see which one wins out. Whichever one takes me to farthest. Right. Well, when you started and how you felt when you published that first book, and where you are now, I mean, what's changed for you? Uh, if you ask me, uh, if, I, if I'm asked uh, right off the cuff, what do you do for a living? I say I'm a logger. I've been, been logging all my life. But the book has been on the side. And I, you know, I did spend some time with a trucker. But I was still in the logging industry. Again, there was a slump kind of on the way. And looking into that. But it has changed me. And uh, I look at things differently. Because if I go back 
and I, I see the things that I remember or stories that I know of and the local history. And I find when I, when I start to put it together, it's uh, like I'm not, I'm not the same person. I, uh, when, I get, when I get and write the things that I write and I see it on the page, it's, complete, it's, it's so enlightening and so uh, uh, even I find it informative. And I know it's cliche, they say, you know, you won't know where you're going to go until the character takes you. But it's true. Like, I, I had no idea where Ridjack was going to go that day in the punt when, when the opening story. I had an idea. But so when I got in there and, and he went ashore, and I said, well, you know, I can lead on to this and this and this. So in a lot of the, the things, and one thing I will tell you, one of the saddest things in the three stories, three books, is with the woman and her child. That's a true story. I hate to say it, but that actually happened in this document. And I didn't name any names, of course, or even communities. But there was an actual, that actually happened. So these things you learn. And as I said, and you mentioned, you alluded to it, Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. No idea that it was a coronavirus. And, and when I, so these are things you find. And it's, it's very uh, enlightening and informative and it's rewarding. It can be very rewarding. And right now, every time I go to speak to someone, I always offer my assistance for free. Does anybody here would like to record your thoughts, your history on pages? Just let me know. I won't read your manuscript. I'm not going to judge anybody, but I can tell you what I would do in this case. And as we speak, I am helping a, a, a person who's going through a really bad time. And she wants to get it on a page, and I'm helping I'm glad to do it. Yeah. And will you always have time when I call you? You're always going to to share what you're doing and support other other writers, and um, and that's part of what the show is about too. Yes, yes. Introduce authors. It's a great show. It's a great show. I really love it. Good, thank you. And and let people know that writing a book is not is it's not the mountain that you have to climb. It's the steps you take, and I feel that if people can hear from other authors and see the path that they take, and there are similarities with everyone who writes a book, they may go about it different ways. Some people work more with outlines. Some people follow their, their gut instinct. But in the end, there's a book. I'm, uh, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I've been asked that many times. I've never written one outline, never. I don't, I don't do it that way. I don't do any drafts. The first draft is the one that goes to my editor. I take time at it. Like one of the most uh, the saddest scenes of Left to Die with Jimmy Francila. I wrote it in the Toronto airport, a 12-hour wait about the, the father and, and his son dying in each other's arms. It was written in Toronto airport. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I'm helping a person, like I just said, I'm not going to say any names. And I said, you know, you don't always have to begin at, you don't have to be like Winnie the Pooh, to begin at the beginning. Sometimes... That's right. Sometimes you don't have to begin at the beginning. You can begin at the end and go back. You can you damn well please. You can start in the middle. It's your creation. Mm-hmm. The other thing is people will say, well, if I could write like you, I'd write a book. You don't have to write like me. You should never write like me. You, Catherine, writes like Catherine. And Ernest Hemingway wrote the way he did. Everybody's got their own pencil. Can write. You your own way. Well, Gary, I think that's a good note to take us out of this interview because time with you 
goes so quickly. I thought we missed a lot of time. I wonder what I was going to say. No, we never we never run out of things to say, but everyone here is the book. I'm just going to show it in the screen. And again, thank you so much for your time, and we'll be waiting for the next book. It's been a pleasure, and let's get writing. Thank you again. Have a great weekend. Bye now. Thank, thank you, everyone, you. for joining us, and all the shows available on YouTube at Katherine Taylor TV. Have a nice day. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.